0: listening to miscarriage stories with Arden Cartret. Hi everyone, Arden here. If you are hearing an intro, you usually know that there's either something I need to share with you or that there is a trigger warning. And today is a really big trigger warning, but I also want to encourage you if you're in the space to listen to this episode to do so because while it's heavy And it might not be necessarily something that you relate to in your lost journey. I think as humans, hearing each other's stories and understanding each other's realities is so important. So today's podcast episode, I sit down with Alex. Alex is a transgender male and he is sharing his story of experiencing a miscarriage when he was 18 years old. At the time of being 18... He had not yet transitioned and was a female, went by a female identity. Um, a really heavy aspect of this story is that he was sexually assaulted, and there's so many elements of this story that I I believe society has probably told Alex to not share because it's it's so crazy, it's so out there, it's so sad. But I was so honored. That Alex felt comfortable coming on miscarriage stories to share this with me, to share this with you. He was so open to having such a vulnerable conversation, allowed me to ask him questions. And, you know, I gave him the heads up of I am not transgender. I don't know the right verbiage to always use. I I do my best to be, you know, an ally to every single person because every human deserves support. And he was so helpful and so great and so gracious. So I ask you to listen to this episode without judgment, with an open mind and listen to Alex's story because I know that Alex is not the only person in the world with a story like this and that makes me incredibly sad. You know, I I do this work for a living at this point and it's It's never easy. It's never an easy story to listen to. There are many times where I hang up these calls, whether it's a client call or a podcast recording, and I have to take a moment. I have to cry. I have to get my own triggers out of my system. And after my conversation with Alex, I felt so many emotions. And I hope that while those emotions are really hard to feel, I hope that anybody listening to this will feel the same empathy that I felt whenever I sat down with Alex. If you are in the LGBTQ community, um, the Trevor project is the resource that I want to highlight. I'm trying to highlight resources for the really heavy topics that we discuss on top of the heavy topics of miscarriage. Um, There is also RAIN, which is the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. It's probably the largest resource and you're going to hear in this story Alex shares about going to get help after being sexually assaulted and believing that they were pregnant and not being met with great bedside manner, not being met with support. Um, This story is heavy. You know, even though I'm encouraging you to listen with an open mind, I am telling you that it is heavy, but every story deserves to be heard by those who are in the right place to hear it. So thank you so much for listening to miscarriage stories. Thank you for being open and vulnerable. And thank you for playing this episode. Here is my conversation with Alex. Alex, welcome to Miscarriage Stories. I, As I said, whenever we first started recording, I'm sadly happy that you're here. Um, I want to invite you to start your story and just kind of introduce yourself to us, if you don't mind.
1: So I am Alex. I use he, him pronouns uh, as we were kind of talking before we got started. Um, I am transgender, and so part of the reason that I am sharing all of this is just that I know there are other transgender and especially transmasculine people out there that have probably had similar experiences, but there's not a whole lot of um, conversation probably around those of us that have had this out there, at least that I've been able to find kind of online. And so just kind of trying to connect with people that are in similar situations out there. So, um,
0: and to help it of, be known to the general population that, exactly you know, transgender people do experience this as well. Exactly.
1: I've had people for sure ask if part of having the miscarriage was around having already transitioned, mm. if things like hormone replacement might've factored into it. Um, that definitely wasn't the case. I was 18 at the time. I didn't come out or start transitioning until I was. 24, so that wasn't that wasn't a factor for me at all. I know for some people that might be. Um, but I do just kind of want to put that out there. Um, so for me, what happened was also fairly fairly clear in terms of timeline. I was actually sexually assaulted when I was in college. I was in my first semester of college. I was not at all sexually active at that time. Um, I had actually just broken up with a boyfriend and it was a um, a drug sexual assault. So part of what was also complicated with that is that with substances that are involved, everything around that becomes really hazy. Um Adding into that, I'd also had a lot of surrounding trauma prior to all of that. And so I was dealing with a lot and it was a lot of denial and association and my brain was very much in a package it up and move on kind of place and so around that time I you know when I had kind of woken up after being assaulted I just kind of moved on um, and when I started missing periods a few weeks later I went to the health center and the nurse practitioner was very dismissive. Um, working with college students, I think she was a little unsure of what to do with me, which was not the most helpful. Wow. Um, and kind of asked, you know, if I had had sex. And I said, I didn't know. And mm-hmm. her response was, well, do you know what sex is? And I'm going, I'm, I'm 18 obviously. And, um, to go, so then how do you not know if you had sex and come back in three more months, if you still haven't gotten your period and, um, it's probably just stress goodbye. Um, so that was exceptionally unhelpful Yeah, for obvious reasons. And so at that point, again, My brain is in a, okay, great, I can get by with this for another three months of pack it up and move on. Pretend it's not going on. Um, Being 18, obviously there's a lot that I think you don't know about the world or pretend that you don't know. So things like, I'm not going to go to the pharmacy and get my own pregnancy test. I'm going to pretend this isn't happening. Um, Those are all kinds of things that I think realizing now, 11 years later, um, would have been more reasonable, reasonable things to do at 18. That's just not really what your mind does. Um, So also with that, you know, being told to wait three more months meant that I was, again, not being active at that time, I've been able to kind of piece together the timeline that I was about 18 weeks pregnant when I miscarried. And it, that also gave a lot of, a lot of time for things to go a long time, um, without any sort of care or intervention. Um, and so I was about 18 weeks and, it was a Saturday, so health center was closed. We were in a fairly, wasn't a rural area, but it was distant from doctors' offices, urgent care, ERs, pre-Uber, um, no cars. It There wasn't a lot of resources around, no family nearby, and So I didn't really know what to do also being 18. Um, And so I was at, I was actually at the gym trying to work out and just, I had gotten to the point where I was just getting ready to start dealing with this. Um, I've kind of said to people who've wondered if this was kind of like a a miscarriage, if I had Um, like if maybe the baby had stopped growing and I hadn't realized it, I had actually gotten to the point probably that week where I knew it was time to start dealing with it because I could feel movement Mm -hmm. and I had been sitting in my dorm room crying, kind of getting to the point where I was ready to start figuring out what was next. Um, And then that Saturday I was in the gym and um, just started not feeling right and felt like kind of like my period was coming and went back to my dorm room, um, went to the bathroom. Clearly my water broke at that point and kind of spent the next few hours going back and forth between the bathroom and all the things that you're not prepared for um i had no idea that you know there would be contractions i had no idea that i would end up pushing at some point i was so drastically unprepared for any of that and because of all of the denial and dissociation the idea to me of calling 911, trying to go to the emergency room, um, having been told, you know, that I just needed to go back to the health center or something. My brain was doing all of these flip-flops around things. Like maybe it's just, well, maybe this, I wasn't really pregnant. Maybe it's just, you know, a really, bizarre sort of period maybe this is all in my head maybe I'm just you know doing this to myself or something and so I didn't say anything and I just kind of went through it um and I didn't tell anybody for a couple years after all of that and it was obviously extremely traumatic and doubly so, I think doing it alone um, at 18 in a dorm room was pretty terrible um, just cause I didn't know what I was doing um, and what was really happening. And so all of that to also say years later as I've started kind of piecing together what that meant um, I did start looking for information online kind of in retrospect and I was part of finding things like your podcast finding groups online finding other things to kind of process um, as part of that healing to just I think so much of that went into, I must have been crazy, or um, I don't know, or just plain trauma around that, that looking at what other people were saying about what their experiences were, was also really helpful to kind of go, okay, this wasn't, this wasn't me, this is actually what happens with a late miscarriage was so helpful. Um, And that's kind of why I am talking about it also from the point of sexual assault and being transgender and all of that too, because I think those are pieces of this that we're not talking about and that, I think we should for those, those pieces of this topic too.
0: Absolutely. And you know, you describing um, being in denial and having disassociation, like people in their twenties experience that. And then think about at 18, I can't even thinking of myself at 18. In those circumstances, I would have, uh, you, you want to avoid and you don't want to think like this really happened to me. And now this is also happening you know you, you kind of want to think if I close my eyes this is not real um and I think that's the truth with any trauma not to mention yeah uh you know sexual assault so many people stay quiet and not necessarily because they want to they're hoping it really didn't happen but they know that it did or people don't listen the first time they talk so they don't want to talk again mm-hmm. um shame on that health care center nurse that was terrible
1: I actually, um, as all of this was coming up a few years later, I contacted one of my more trusted professors and got in touch with the student life dean at the school and just let her know, it's like, hey, this this went really, really badly and it should have been handled very differently. And she let me know that, um, I think she came in to the school like a year and a half after all of that had happened. Mm -hmm. And she had let me know that they uh, turned over the entire health center staff and that part of it was around lack of trauma informed care for other students too. And so that they they were really working with the school at that point. And I was very, very happy to hear that. It doesn't fix it, and I don't know what that meant for other students, but I was relieved to hear that at least they were doing some things better.
0: Yeah. And it. it I mean, I, I don't know the statistics off and off of my head, but most college students are the victims of sexual assault. So it's crazy to not be informed enough to be told, like, hey, I think that something happened, but I don't know. And not even to ask you uh, questions of like, well, have you had sex before to know what this could feel like, like just kind of educating yourself on your own body at the same time. You know, we, we lack so much empathy and education. It's just, it's pitiful. Yeah, it really is. You mentioned at the top of the recording that some people have asked if your pregnancy loss, if it played a part in transitioning and how does that question make you feel? Or like, do other people, you know, do they have that experience where they're like, this was so traumatic that I need to kind of look inward of how I feel about myself?
1: Um, So I think the question that I've been asked was more the reverse in that People have asked if the hormone, if like the hormone therapy caused the miscarriage.
0: Oh, I see.
1: Um, okay. Which is kind of the timeline is very backwards on that one. For I was going to
0: say, yeah, like that yeah. wouldn't even come. Okay, so that's nope. why I took it a totally different way because I was yep. like, but you were eighteen and you said yep. that you were twenty-four. Okay, so that that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say in terms of trauma that's definitely something I've heard is a theory kind of generally that trauma and especially like any sort of sexual trauma might be a factor I don't I don't know for other people if that's a factor for them I and I can't say for sure if it is for me I don't I don't know um But I would say I don't, I don't think necessarily that it is. I think that if it was, I would have expected that the amount of therapy and like trauma healing work that I had done prior to looking at transitioning would have impacted the way that I ended up feeling about my gender and it didn't and it it is I'm a little hesitant with that just because it is such a fraught and very like personal
0: yeah
1: topic that will vary by each person um but yeah I guess I would just say I I've always felt that if if the trauma piece factored into that, I would have thought that I would have seen more of a difference in terms of how I felt. Yeah. In terms of the the gender.
0: Yeah. At that point. And I, I imagine that society doesn't really help to share that you're a transgender man and you've had nope. a miscarriage. You know, I feel like we don't live in a uh Uh, an overall accepting society maybe in in some places but overall I wouldn't call us accepting which which sucks I bet that that adds to the isolation of this entire experience
1: it does I definitely have had um, I'd say mostly with friendships I wait like several months into a friendship before I bring up the miscarriage piece I'll talk about other trauma i'll talk about sexual assault but kind of the miscarriage piece i definitely will wait on um because people don't i think miscarriage to begin with people often don't know what to deal with which is kind of the topic of your entire podcast and then adding in the concept of being transgender and so what does that look like with pregnancy much less loss and miscarriage and um what does it look like to be pregnant and think about being transgender what does it look like to miscarry and be transgender and all of that becomes so complicated and becomes so complicated in terms of How do you feel about your own body and what your own body can do and should do? And it is such a personal and such a heavy, heavy topic that um, I have a hard time with anybody bringing it up. Um, I, For me personally, Growing up, I would say, being trans, dealing with the dysphoria, mm-hmm. um, all of that, I found things like going through puberty very, very difficult and didn't know how to think about any of that or deal with any of that. And for me, the thought that, okay, at least... You know, pregnancy, having a child, that's a cool thing our human body can do. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of kind of holding onto to that is and at least my body can do this one really cool thing was something that was really helpful. Um so that was kind of something I held on to going through all of that because it was kind of a kind of like a life raft with that and so I think that did add into some of the trauma with that for me in terms of but I didn't expect it to happen not on my terms and I didn't expect it to end not in a good way so now what does that mean yeah um and I'm sure in some ways, I know some transmasculine people feel the exact opposite in terms of having children. And I know some people feel more similarly to I do. Um, and it kind of varies. But that is one way I've kind of figured out how to describe it to people is that if you're dealing with this sense of my body doesn't match, mm-hmm. um, but there's a positive to it, you've kind of got to find some way to to deal with that.
0: Yeah, I really, I empathize. I'm like sitting here thinking about that feeling of not feeling like your body matches, but then also feeling almost pride that it was pregnant. (laughs) And that's such a, it's a confusing feeling, but also a sad feeling. Yeah. Just sitting in that. That's hard. Thanks for explaining that. I think that that um, sadly, paints a, a, a really sad picture of it. I feel like it. It's all sad. This entire conversation is the reason yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, but it is. It's you know every person is going to have a different viewpoint and find different positives, so to speak. But it is when it's not on your terms. One to get pregnant and then two when you have a loss. There's so much grief in that. Um, And you mentioned starting to feel movement. And so it's almost like you knew that you were pregnant, but not really, not really addressing it head on, which again, I literally thinking of myself at 18, um, I I feel like any teenager, that's kind of the way that our brains work with these things, especially when we don't have resources and support. Um, But whenever you felt movement, did you feel... A connection, or did you feel excitement of some level? Although there's trauma with the, you know what I mean. It's so complicated. It's such a complicated place to be because, again, this wasn't on your terms to begin with.
1: Yeah. Um. Yes. To all. To all of that. Um. I. So I had grown up in a very kind of religious context, and so, um kind of the backstory to that is also that like my friends and kind of community knew that I was fairly religious. And so I had almost, I kind of been asked at different times, like, so if X, Y, Z happened, would you ever have an abortion? What would you do? And so I had always kind of said, you know, well, I would either, you know, have the baby or I would uh, give up for adoption or something. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of had that in my mind. And so that was also kind of always there. And so I I think in some ways, like I, I almost had this roadmap from way before this had ever happened. And so as much as I was not dealing with it, I wasn't able willing ready to think about it as reality Mm -hmm. um feeling any sort of movement feeling that this was probably something that I would deal with in the coming weeks months um I do remember sitting there and just like holding myself wrapping up around my stomach and just starting to cry at some point and just having this moment of like okay um you are there I will I will need to deal with this (laughs) and um also this is a fairly remarkable feeling um this is not something I have felt before, and this is pretty incredible, and, um, all right. I, 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 yeah, I, I will also say just to the point, like I was saying about, you know, what our body is capable of, that is a really incredible thing that we can experience, and so that of also connection of you can feel a human body moving inside of yours was completely incredible and that was kind of the one point I I don't think in terms of miscarriage experience that I had what other people talk about in terms of planning the hope the expectation of bringing a baby home right. of you know what this child would grow up to be um those weren't the losses that I experienced right. that point where I did start feeling that that person there right. um that was kind of where I think the for me, some of the grief really did start to kick in. Um, The other, the other kind of piece for me with that, um, kind of after the physical miscarriage happened, I went back to my dorm room and it, you know, it was, more of the standard kind of older style dorm rooms with a very shared bathroom. And I was, um, in my, in my room, which was kind of right across from the bathroom. And I remember being probably in some level of shock, freezing, freezing cold, and had a heating pad, just was kind of curled up. And, um, again, not knowing what to do. And one of the things that bothers me most is that not being in a hospital or anything, I had just had to deal with everything in a toilet. I didn't have anything else to do with that. And that is one of the things that bothers me most about all of that. And, um, some of the other students had stumbled across that, and I heard them kind of going back and forth going, "You know one of the one of the kids in the dorm had an abortion in the toilet or something, oh. and I kind of just <laughs> curled up in a ball and pretended I wasn't there for a long time um,
0: so that was that's hard yeah
1: that was very hard
0: i didn't even think of like the communal bathroom element of a dorm yeah and then just still like i'm still going back to that the healthcare center of like not giving support knowing that students live in dorms and you know that's absolutely terrible and and the the thought of the thought of flushing of our babies being in the toilet is a haunting element of this that so many people discuss, because I think it's something that doesn't leave us. Um, That's, that's a hard part of this grief to deal with. It really is. But you weren't left with options. You know, you didn't know what was happening. And shock 100%. There's no doubt in my mind that you were, dealing with shock and then you're just kind of on autopilot where you're just like okay go lay down and figure it out from there you know there's no roadmap for this
1: there really isn't
0: how did the recovery process go for you because I imagine at 18 weeks um, there's a heightened risk for infection and so like I know it was 11 years ago and so you're clearly you know here to tell your story but I'm so worried about the 18 year old Alex that um, how did recovery after go?
1: Um, it's a good question. i I do think our bodies are fairly impressive in terms of instinct. I think, in some ways, like the fact that just going through the miscarriage, alone was even a an ability is fairly remarkable that we're able to do that yeah. is something I've kind of reflected on um I've gone back and seen things like you know don't use tampons after the fact and I know at one point that was something I tried and was not not comfortable, not an option. And so I'm grateful for that, I think in hindsight, right. um, even as I say things like that as a trans person, that's very awkward, but <laughs> um, it's all of, it, to the point of this entire conversation, this is all weird um, in terms of the gender piece. It, um I think those are also, in some ways, things that are protective that our body also does, and I'm grateful for some of that. I didn't, I didn't have any infection with that, which I'm incredibly grateful for. Um, I would say I probably had some bleeding for probably about 2 weeks which wasn't uncommon for me anyways so i didn't think a huge amount of it um i was not in the greatest place obviously mentally or physically anyways and so i was very um i definitely was taking a lot of, did a lot of rest and didn't do a lot of class or things that I was technically supposed to be doing. Um, But I kind of got through it. Um, Around the same time, I, like almost a week, or not even a week, like, five or six days later, I had to start this bizarre, like, PE gym class, Mm -hmm. and I got my arm trapped in the elliptical at a gym, and, like, almost sort of broke it, and so it was, like, very swollen, and I ended up with, like, a painkiller prescription and that was actually very helpful um and with that I also was kind of able to take it a little bit more easy and so I've in hindsight also been very grateful for that um I think that has also been kind of like a saving grace in retrospect um without having to deal with the actual miscarriage or say anything about it it also gave me a um almost an excuse
0: yeah that makes sense. It,
1: to other people to say like i can't do xyz because look my arm right. not um i'm dealing with this super traumatic
0: thing yeah that uh it's the painkiller prescription you deserved going through the uh you know sometimes even like getting medical care for a miscarriage doctors are like oh it will be nothing and they send you home like nothing and it's crazy it's crazy how that timing worked out but I'm sure at the moment it felt like okay what else can go wrong in my life that this is all happening to me
1: yeah would have been helpful at the time of the actual miscarriage was, um that was unbelievably painful.
0: Unbelievable, yeah. And to do it in the fashion that you had to do it, thats that adds a mental and a physical pain. I I know that this is a miscarriage stories podcast, but I also, I'm like hoping that your abuser is rotting away somewhere. I'm sure not because of the way the world works, but did you ever open up to anybody about it? Was, you know, did, did any sort of justice happen whether it was through therapy or in the legal system like I just I don't even know this person and I hate them
1: I uh, I did speak about it through therapy I because it was a couple of years after the fact mm-hmm. statute of limitations had already closed and I wow. or it it had not entirely closed, but this particular location is also not the best for a lot of things. And I called them, um, they took the phone call and that was about all that they, Uh. all that they did. Um, they took a statement and they sent me a letter about three weeks later that just said, you know, basically thanks for your call will keep your report on file
0: um, in case they're arrested for something else yeah that's oh that's Pretty so much. crazy so that's it, yeah I you know I don't under like I, I understand why I think we have statute of limitations and things like that but I don't it doesn't matter a crime is committed <laughs> like I do not okay. I don't get it uh I don't I don't care about where things happen it's a crime that happens okay. I'm so the sorry. It mm-hmm.
1: happened. And yeah, this person had harassed other students, and oh. it should have not. That uh, goes back to the whole thing with the health center, too. Like, one, had they taken it seriously when I first went in, uh, and had they done anything, yeah. had they asked questions, um, statute of limitations wouldn't have ended. It it all kind of goes hand in hand and it is very infuriating um and very upsetting.
0: So I'm so sorry that all of this happened to you. And I'm I'm so appreciative that you came on to share your story and you you know, you said that having this whole conversation um and being trans is so awkward. And I haven't felt like it's awkward if that makes you feel I feel like it's just I'm so grateful that you're using your voice because as somebody who is not transgender, I can't, I can't know firsthand how you feel, but I can sit here for the last 45 minutes and imagine the pain that you felt. And I'm, I'm sadly so appreciative that you shared that with us.
1: Thank you. Thank you for hosting this. I appreciate it.